Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 10. We'll be there in just a moment. John chapter 10. We've been uh, talking about some questions that Jesus has asked us. Really, I've been kind of looking at that for the last year. And, and uh, daily, I've been walking through these questions when Jesus would ask his disciples these things. And, and we believe it's important for us as followers of Jesus to not only listen to him, but to, to do what he's saying. And uh, one of the questions uh, we've talked about a lot here is, is, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? This is rooted in the passage of Scripture where Jesus goes to the disciples and he says, Hey guys, tell me, what's the word on the street about me? Who do people say that I am? You've heard me talk about it over and over and over and over. And they, they respond and say, this is what people say. But, but then the, the attention shifts and he turns right to them and he says, But who do you say that I am? As I've been chewing on that for about a year each day, it, it's amazing if you think of the same question over and over for about a year, you, you pretty well kind of get that ingrained in your, your memory. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but even I can get something memorized if I think about it every day for almost a year. And, and it's just come alive to me in the last couple of weeks that Jesus doesn't ask us these questions hoping that we can make something up to help him with his identity. And Jesus isn't wanting us to just kind of put our wish list upon him and say, well, Jesus, this is what I hope or I wish that you would do today or this is what I, I would, really would like to see you be. But he's given us all the answers. He doesn't ask these questions without giving us the solid answers. And so last week we started this series, I Am. The, the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And we're looking at what Jesus is saying about himself. Well, Well, who cares? Well, the reason we care is because Jesus calls us to answer, who do you say that he is? If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're to be a disciple, and and all the disciples are to to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to him and to respond to him, and he's asking you, he's asking me, who do you say that I am? And so today we're going to dive into another one of those I am statements Last week he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today we're going to hear how he says that he is the door, he is the gate. At this time I want to invite my friend Luke up. Luke's going to come, Luke Williams is going to come and read the scripture for us today. And uh, Luke has been preparing for a service and leadership badge and scouting. And so part of of that he is uh, leading today. And so Luke, I'm going to let you hold that brother. Take your Bible and turn with me, church, to John chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verse 7 through 10. And uh, my friend Luke is going to read this for us. Luke. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I said to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters me through me, he will be saved and will go to in and out and find posture. Posture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, friend. Can you give that to my wife, Carrie? Thank you. Let's give Luke a hand. Thank you, Luke. There's something powerful when we read God's Word. This isn't just a book. This is His living, breathing Word. 
you've heard an opportunity already today with the Gideons that you can invest. I challenge you before you leave today, think about that. For $5, you can take God's word and put it into someone's life. But we don't want to just give God's word away and not really chew on it ourselves. And so as we digest on that today, I, I want you to uh, take your mind with me to a piece of our history here in the States that maybe you're not too familiar of. On June 20th in 1902, the Northern Pacific Railroad opened its line leading up to Yellowstone Park. And if we can put this first picture up here. And so the railroad made its line to, to go to Yellowstone Park. And, but it didn't go all the way into the park. It went to Gardner, a town there on the edge. And, and you can see here on the right, there's the train. And people would get off of the train. And, and, and then to go the rest of the way to the park, they would get on a stagecoach. And it would take them into the park. And to kind of mark that spot of what would take place in this great adventure, uh, there was this big stone entrance. And this is it today. It's still there. But there's something interesting about this beautiful monument. It's, it's huge. It's, it's majestic. It's, it, it's, it's pretty important in our history of, of people who go through it. But, but there's nothing else around there now. And when you're going now to Yellowstone, you go through this entrance, but it's miles. You've got to go miles till you get into the heart of Yellowstone, where the, the good stuff of Yellowstone is. Until you get to the official entrance. And it just seems kind of weird. Like it's, it's this gate or it's this door out in the middle of nowhere. Out in a field is just this big stone entrance. But yet it's miles and miles till you get to the heart of what Yellowstone is all about. As I was thinking of this this week, it, it kind of came to my mind of this passage of Scripture. And Jesus' claim to be the door or to be the, the gate. And, and how confused our world and and God help us how confused we can be sometimes of what the real door, the real gate is. I think that, that some people would, would pass by and they would look at the church of Jesus Christ or, or churches and, and buildings and they would see them as beautiful structures, as, as symbols, as ways to get to God. Big cathedrals or big worship centers with all of its creativity, all of its luster. and It's beautiful, but, but friends, the church is not the door to God. Jesus is the door. That's what he's claiming in this passage, and that's what we're going to dive in today. Jesus is the door. And this was at the heart of the Reformation. Some of the pushback that was, I'm so thankful that we are recipients of this, the the current teaching of the day was that the church is the way you gain entrance to Christ. So you had to come through the church through the door, through the gate, to get to Jesus. So in other words, be careful what you say or do to people who lead the church. Because you got to go through us to get to Jesus. And the Reformation pushed back and said, no, 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 that's absolutely backwards. Jesus is the entrance into the church into the Lord. And so Jesus is the door. He is, as we talked about last week, the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I wonder what people think of when they see Grace Point as they drive by on the interstate. From time to time, we'll get people who will stop by and they say, hey, I want to tour the building. And usually that's kind of a tip that they're kind of a pastor nerd because they want to look at the building and those kind of things. But every now and then someone will say, oh, yeah, you're the church that has soccer fields out there. Or I know this church. I watched it come up a number of years ago. And and they they may think this is a, a beautiful building. Or we see other churches around. And do we see that as the door? Friend, you know, this building is not even the church. You 
and I are the church. Amen? But even you and I, we are not the door for people to come to God. Jesus is the door. That's what he's trying to make clear in this passage of Scripture. I want us to start with this question today as we dive into this. What is the door in Jesus' analogy? As he's teaching, he, he talks about himself being the door, the gate. Well, what, what is behind this? What is the door in Jesus' analogy? He's claiming to be the door. In his analogy, he's, he's speaking, I believe, of these communal sheepfolds that are up on the hills. And scholars give us some information to help us see what's going on here. But I'm going to have our kids help me uh, illustrate this today. So I need uh, five or, or six kids to help me. Do I have any volunteers who would want to help me? Right there. I know you're going to volunteer. Come on up. Luke, you can come on up. Jasmine, you can come on up. Right over there. Those three, four girls are lined up. You come on up. Very good. Come on up. Right there. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Come over this way. Now, here's what's happening. When Jesus was talking about the door or the gate, he was talking about these bins or these fences or these places where they would keep the sheep. But the historians, the scholars tell us there's two different types. Very good. They're still coming. Come on up. Very good. Very good. Now, here's what we're going to do. Make a big circle right here. Come on, come on. Scoot in, scoot in, scoot in, scoot in. Very good. Yep, that's a line. Now we need to circle this way, this way. Very good. All right. Oh, beautiful. Oh, come on in, come on in. Very good. All right. Now, here's what would happen. In the city, they would have folds or like fenced in, walled in areas for sheep like this. Okay? It, it would be, there'd be a covering over top. It'd be in the city. But yet then they would have a gate. Kate, come over here. I need a gate. Come on over here. And, uh, and... There would be a gate, and then there would be a shepherd, or there would be a gatekeeper. And okay, now bend over, be a gate like this. Okay, bend over at your waist. Very, very good. Like this, like this. This could be a gate. You're going to move like this. Okay, can you try this? Very good. Now, sometimes the gate would be squeaky. Can you make a squeaky noise? Okay, very good. So here's what, now you be the gatekeeper, all right? And so shepherds would come up when they're in, in the, the city. They would come up, and you would recognize me, and you'd open up the squeaky gate. Oh, wait, I'll try it again. You didn't make the noise. Try it again. Oh, it's wonderful being the pastor's kid, and you get to do all kinds of things. So, so you come in, and, and the shepherd would come with the sheep, and then you could latch the door, latch it. Okay, very good. That's how it was. But the, the historians tell us this is probably not the fold that Jesus was talking about, because there's another fold, there's another safe place for sheep on the hills. The hills are over there, so let's all go over here. So we come over here, and the hills are over here, and, and here's what was different about the hills. This fold, when the fence, okay, so I need a big circle again. They're all the way over here. They're big hills. Come on, come on, come on. Very good. Okay, make a big circle. It's going to have to be an oval, like a squish circle. Very good, very good. Okay, now there was no covering over the top in the hills, and they did not have a gate, so we need to open it up just like this. Open it up just like this. And there would be walls all the way around. There wouldn't be anything over top. And the reason they had these folds in the hills is sometimes the shepherds, when they would take their flocks out, they wouldn't come back each night when the weather was permitting. They would stay with their sheep, and they would sleep there, and there was no gate, there was no door, there was no latch, and the shepherd, I need a shepherd, can you come over here? Okay, close in, let me close it up. He would actually lay down in the opening. So that's your job. You get to lay down right here, lay down right here. And the shepherd became the door. Say, I'm a door. door. Wonderful. Awesome. And the shepherd would literally lay down his life. So when thieves or animals would want to come in, they they would be blocked by the shepherd. I'm going to be a sheep. The sheep inside here, they, they would be safe because the shepherd would keep them in. Thank you, guys. You can go have a seat. That's awesome. Way to be the shepherd. Way to be the 
Ready to be the door. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I am the door. I literally am the one who is laying my life down to be the door. And that was his claim. And, and I want us to unpack one more piece of this. We also need to look at who these thieves and robbers were that Jesus was talking about in his analogy here. I believe this is a direct reference. We have good evidence. It's a direct reference to the fake or pseudo messiahs, the pretenders, the people who would use terrorism to try to get their way done. These would be people who would say, I am the, the Christ. I am the way. I am the one. So follow me. And here's what they would say. Take up your sword and lay down your life for my political agenda. They, they would say, hey, hey, all these religious pretenders, hey, hey, guys, it's time for us to push back on Rome. Let's go kick Rome's tail. Come with me. Grab your sword. Get ready to lay down your life because we're going to conquer. And these pseudo-messiahs, these fake messiahs, these false teachers, false leaders would give this call, follow me, you lay down your life for my agenda. But Jesus is saying something different. He's saying, I am the gate, I am the door, I am laying down my life for you. There's a difference there. And he's beginning to help us see who he is. I'm laying my life down for you. Now I want to take the balance of our time this morning and zero in on verse 9. So look at John chapter 10, verse 9. We'll spend the rest of our time right here. Well, what did Jesus mean then when he claimed to be the door? Okay, if that's the, the mental picture that the original hearers would have, would have seen, would have thought of, it would have, made, uh, it would have made a lot of sense, I should say, for them to, to hear Jesus talk about being the shepherd and, and being the door, the gate, because of what we just walked through. But, but what was Jesus' claim all about? First... What do we have because of Jesus' claim? We have freedom through Christ. Well, where do we get that? Well, what does that mean? Well, let's look at the text. John chapter nine, or chapter 10, excuse me, verse 9, the first part, says, Yes, I am the gate, or I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. There is freedom that comes through Jesus. There is salvation that comes through Jesus. Now, we may want to ask the question as we read this verse, uh, come in where? Where, where? where do we go? Come into heaven? Well, yes, eventually. But this is not just about an entrance ticket to heaven. It's about a life with Jesus. There is a victorious life with him. It's a life where Jesus reigns. It's in his kingdom. It's a life under new management where he's in charge of everything. Amen? See, Jesus says... You who come in through me, you will be saved. The word is sozo. It literally is meaning to us to be delivered, to be made whole. Forgiven of sins, yes, but there is a wholeness. There is a deliverance that takes place in the salvation he offers through himself as being the door. This is what it means when we say full salvation. I remember uh, singing the song, Praise the Lord for full salvation. As Dr. Dunbar would lead us in that song, I remember to think about the lyrics, and I thought, that's kind of redundant. I mean, is there like empty salvation or like half salvation? And what is full salvation? As I was chewing on that, you know, song lyrics that they don't have much meaning aggravate me, but there's a lot of meaning, and it's, it's strong biblical text in this song. Praise the Lord for full salvation. What's full salvation? Not only saves me from hell, but saves me to life in Him. It's not just emptying us out of the willful disobedience. It's filling us 
with his spirit, filling us with his grace, filling us with his love. Okay, Pastor Brady, I'm trying to hang with you. You're getting excited again. What are we talking about? Yellowstone, rocks, kids, sheep, door, what's happening here? Hey, Hey, friend, Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. Okay. Well, what, what is this about? This is about Jesus being something to you that you could never, ever have met any other way. So the question, who is Jesus to you today, is a very important one. And he's teaching us to be able to say, Jesus, you are my door. You are the one who gives me freedom. Salvation is more than just fire insurance. It's entering into a life with him. John eight thirty six says this. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You are free indeed. Now sometimes when we think about the freedom in Christ, I think we can almost gloss over it as some theological concept or some Sunday school church concept we picked up a long time ago that, that I guess is important, but I don't really live with it every day. Brady, talk to me about something that's everyday stuff. Friend, there's nothing more everyday, in-your-face practical than the freedom that Jesus brings. Well, freedom from what? I'm glad you asked. There's seven freedoms that I want us to look at. It's not like an exhaustive list, but there's seven I want us to look at. They're not in your notes, okay? So that's extra. Um, I'm not going to charge you for it, but there's just extra in your notes. I want to go through them pretty fast, so I'm going to speed up my talker. So speed up your listener, okay? And I know some of you are saying, well, it's already too fast. Well, I'm sorry, you're already listening too slow, but we'll, we'll try to move through it together. See, we have freedom in Christ through salvation. We have freedom from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God in Jesus Christ is life with him. We have have been freed from the penalty of sin. That's good news. I don't care if you've known it for a long time. There's reason to celebrate again that you and I can have freedom from the penalty of sin. But it doesn't stop there. The second thing is we are freed from the power of sin. You see, we believe that Scripture is very clear to us that not only are, are we forgiven from our sin, but we are, we are given the power of the Holy Spirit in entire sanctification to come into our life and, and to break the back of that sin nature in our life. And, and there is freedom from the power that sin can have over us. Romans 6.6 6, Our sin nature is rendered powerless. Because of Jesus' freedom, that desire, that bent towards evil, that thing inside of us that we're just born with that wants to do wrong is cleansed. it's, It's purified through the power of Jesus. That's freedom he brings. Ezekiel 36, we read this where the Lord talks about giving us a new heart. This is what he's talking about. There's freedom from the power of sin. We believe that God not only cleanse or excuse me frees us and forgives us from our willful disobedience but he cleanses us from the power and the effects of sin on this earth in wholeness and in holiness let's move on there's also freedom from shame friend i want to let you know that if you're ever experiencing shame it's never from the lord there's a difference between guilt and shame. If, if you are guilty, you may feel guilty and the Lord may be convicting you. But, but shame is always from Satan. You can have freedom in Jesus. He is the door who, who gives you this freedom from shame. You and I are new creations in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. 1 John 33, 1. We are children 
of God. He has lavished his love upon us. I love that. We are his children. He's lavished his love upon us. Listen to these words about you. I am a child of the Most High God. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I live free from shame because Jesus died on the cross for me. I want you to repeat that after me. I want you to hear in your head, your own voice, claim this truth about you. So repeat these words after me. I am a child of the Most High God. That was pretty good. First service got 60%. You got like a 74. But I think you're better than C, so we, we, can, we can increase this. Let's try it again. We're going to go for an A, like 100% participation. All right, ready? Let's try it again. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I live free from shame. Because Jesus died on the cross for me. Amen. See, friend, this is who Jesus is to you and to me. He is the door that has brought freedom to us. There's also freedom from addictions. I'm not just talking about addictions to drugs and to alcohol, though he brings freedom from that. He brings freedom from any mood-altering attitude or action or habit. Friends, Sometimes we get afraid to talk about these things, but there's power in Jesus bringing freedom from all addictions in our life. Over the last couple of years, I've witnessed Jesus bring freedom from a food addiction in my life. We've talked about that. If you've been around a Grace Point for a while, you, you know about that. But, but we need to celebrate who he is. He is the door that brings freedom. If, if you're here today and you want to experience more of that freedom in your life and letting him free you from all types of things that, that may control, that may be overbearing in your life, I want you to check out Celebrate Recovery. It's every Monday night at 7 o'clock. It's, it's a non-threatening, very safe place. We meet in the youth center. It's for those 18 years of age and older. But with, we're celebrating and exploring and experiencing the freedom of Jesus as he talks about in Scripture. Fifth. We feel the freedom from fear. Because of who Jesus is and what he has done, you and I don't have to live in fear. You don't need to stay stuck in your fear. Now, from time to time, I may feel weary, but I don't live in fear. There's freedom in him. There's also freedom from condemnation. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation in Christ. The, the song says, he sets us free from the power of canceled sin. There's another one of those song lyrics that I was exploring going, I don't know how I feel about that. That's kind of weird. Uh, freedom from the power of canceled sin. Well, if sin's been canceled, if it's been forgiven, then what power is there? Hey, friends, I don't know if you know this or not, but when Jesus forgives you of your sin, he separates it as far as the east is from the west. It's no longer in his mind. You are forgiven. It is canceled. But Jesus brings freedom from the power of canceled sin. Well, where's the power? Satan loves to take your past, your history, the things you've been forgiven of, and just throw it up in your face. He wants to come right up to you, Dale, and say, Dale, I know what you thought. I know what you did. You dirty, rotten, no good, whoever. And that's not of God. That's of Satan. And that, that sin has been canceled. It's been forgiven. It's been cleansed. And so what happens here is Jesus brings freedom from this power of canceled or forgiven sin. That's what it means, that there is no condemnation in him. We can have victory 
in Him. Number seven, we can be free from self-centeredness. What a horrible thing it would be to live your whole life just centered in on yourself. Well, it may feel good for a while, but it's ultimately very, very empty. From time to time, I'll be leaving a uh, committal service, a graveside service, and I'll be making my way back to my, my truck, and I will walk past some of the headstones, and it kind of catches my attention of how people have uh, decorated the, the gravestone or the headstone of those they love. And I get that it's, it's fitting and good to have things that we remember of them. That's okay. But, but just imagine with me, if you were choosing, you may not have, <laughs> none of us will have the choice unless you decide now, but, but if you were choosing now what to have on your headstone, what was it that you want to be remembered by? I mean, would you want people to just say, well, he loved golf. Is that what life's about? Wouldn't be for me. I can't stand golf. I mean, I like playing it, but I'm no good at it. It's just a reminder of how bad I am. But what I want to say, he loved bicycles. Would you want to say, well, he loved NASCAR. She collected antiques. Is that it? Is that all that life is? Is it, is it you just running through the rat race, trying to win the rat race, winning the rat race just to come to the end to find out that you're still a rat? I mean, is that, is that worth it? There's got to be more to life than this. And we can see that Jesus brings freedom from self-centeredness. And we can have a purpose in life. Freedom to have purpose in Him to be centered on Him. Well, let's look at the second thing that we have in Christ as He being the door for us, the gate for us. We have security in Christ. Well, this is a real key one. I want you to listen closely on this. John 10, verse 9, the second part of this, it says, they will come and go freely. And our everyday language, I think this would be, is you may move at ease. You may walk around the cabin. You have freedom to move and to go in Him. This refers to the safety that we have and freedom in Christ. You know, in our current world today, there's this dynamic tension in our world between freedom and security we're always at risk of of having to sacrifice more freedoms to increase security or sacrifice security to increase more freedoms and liberty but not so in jesus and jesus there is there is security and there is freedom hand in hand they are right there together you see christ gives us both Now, to come and go freely does not mean that we move in his kingdom and out of his kingdom. We are obedient and disobedient. That's not what this is talking about. This is saying that I live, I move, I breathe in Christ, and I can live in freedom with him. I have security in him, safety and security with the freedom that he has brought. We can be secure in him. Well, Pastor Brady, that, that kind of sounds like, you're talking about eternal security. Friend, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this silliness here. You know, all of us are eternally secure until you choose not to be. Don't let anybody tell you that, that you're not secure in Christ. As Wesleyans, as Nazarenes, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. But, but we have full assurance and, and security and safety in Him. Your, your name's not just like written down in pencil somewhere and just, well, no, no, no. Hey, there's, there's security in Him. But what we're talking about at times, what you may be referring to is, I am secure in Him, not in my own selfishness, not in my own way. 
And Jesus' security and love does not go to the extent where he takes my free will away from me. Where he says, well, you have no ability to reject me. And so let's look at this biblically together. Because I think there could be some healing for some here today. See, nothing can separate us from Christ. This is true. This is biblical. But what we're talking about in this free will aspect, sometimes we get confused on this in our tribe. Hebrews 6, 6 talks about the born again who falls away from God's grace. So the scripture is, is helping us see that there's, there's a possibility for one to reject the free gift that has been given and been received. And so we don't embrace any kind of teaching or thought that, well, I just say some kind of hocus pocus prayer and then I just go live and do whatever I want to do. Friend, to follow Jesus, to, to have security in Jesus is to be obedient to Jesus. So that's what this verse is talking about. But, but let's look at some other scriptures together too. For, excuse me, 2 Timothy 2, 12 and 13. If we disown him, he will disown us. But it goes on. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. This verse is giving us a picture that there's, there's a difference between willful disobedience, shaking my fist at God. God, this is what you want me to do. And I say, nope, I'm going to do what I want to do. Thumbing my nose at him over and over and over again. This is disowning God. And he loves you enough to respect that you consistently disown him. He's going to respect that. And, and, and we, we are giving up what he's given to us. But friend, so many of us live in this insecurity, this fear, in, in our faithlessness, in our stumbling, in our humanness, in our missing of the mark. At times, he is faithful to us. We can have security. And so I believe that what Jesus wants to say to many here today is, hey, 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 he is the door. He is your security. He brings a confidence And with the right understanding, we've been so blessed in our tradition that we have a strong doctrine of grace, a strong understanding of how much God loves us that requires us to have a very strong doctrine, a very strong understanding of willful disobedience of sin. But nowhere throughout our history has we ever been taught that we cannot be confident, assured, and secure in Him as we are choosing to be in Him. Some of us, it's not an eternal security thing we're struggling with. It's eternal insecurity. Sometimes we were brought up to think, well, I'm afraid that something's going to happen and, and then I'm not going to be right with the Lord. We somehow think somehow between when I pour the milk out of the carton and it hits the Rice Krispies, something's going to happen in a flash in a moment. And I can't. Hey, friend, when, you, when you, our heart is wanting to go with the Lord, you're not thumbing your nose at Him. You're not willfully disobedient. There's security there. And, and we need to see Jesus makes it possible. You don't make it possible. You don't have it in your own strength for that kind of security. Jesus has it in there. He opens it up to you through his love. We are secure in our future. We know what we have in him in the days to come. We don't know what happens in the meantime, but we know who he is. We can be secure in a fickle world where the waves are tossed around us and the political scene changes around us and, and, and our own feelings about things change, but Jesus is constant for us and we can have security in Him. A final and third thing we see, we have fulfillment from Christ. This fulfillment, it flows to us through Him. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at Jesus the vine and, and what flows to us through Him, but But we see fulfillment here. John 10, the last part of verse 9 and the middle part of verse 10. 
they will find good pastures, places to graze, good food. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He is the door. He is the one who brings freedom. He's the one who brings security. He's the one who brings fulfillment. Friend, do you feel like your spiritual life is full of rich fulfillment? You know, there's still people who who live as if they believe that Jesus is here to make you more religious. Some people believe and live at least that, that Jesus must want to get all the fun out of your life. Friends, Jesus is not here to be a cosmic killjoy for you. He's here to give you life to the full. To give you life everlasting. He's not here to cramp your style. He's not here to try to suck all the joy out of life. It's the opposite. There is no true joy apart from Him. There is no true fulfillment apart from Him. And the door gives this to you. The one who says in the opening, I will be the one who guards you. I will be the one who you enter through. I will be the one who protects you. I will be the one who brings fulfillment in your life. Well, as our time comes to an end, as you hear this, I don't want you to take my word for it. This is what Jesus said about himself. You may not like it, that's okay, but you've got to take it up with him. Either we believe it or we don't. And, and can I just give you the assurance today that, that Jesus said this and it is true. That he is the door for you. So, as we close in prayer today, many of you here are walking with Jesus. You have accepted Christ. He has been your door. You've entered into the kingdom through Him. And I want you to reflect and, and tell Him in a moment in prayer who He is to you today. Jesus, I'm choosing to praise you for being the door in my life. The one who gives me freedom. All those things. Not just freedom from one area and then we forget about it, or two areas and we forget about it. But in everyday life, he's the one who brings security for you. You don't need to be afraid. He's the one who will bring fulfillment. But just before we pray, there, there may be some here today, as there has been each week the last number of weeks, who in your gut level honestness, you say, you know, I don't, I don't really know Jesus like that. Well, one, I want you to know I'm glad you're here. This is a safe place to check out Jesus. And if you'd like, I can't think of a better time than today to ask Jesus to make good on his word for you. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you, if you'd like, to pray with me. And it's not so important that you get every single word right. That's not where this is. It's not kind of like a hocus-pocus phrase kind of thing. This is more about what our heart is to him. And we'll be talking about Believing that Jesus died for us and he rose from the dead. We'll be talking in our prayer about the things that we have said and done wrong. Every person in this room has said and done things that are wrong and they're sin. They separate us from God. We'll be asking him to forgive us. We'll be repenting. Uh, we're not just sorry that we're in the jam of sin, but... With his help, we want to be obedient to him. And we'll be thanking him for his salvation. Regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey today, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we pray? If you're here today and that makes you uncomfortable, just I encourage you just to 
look down at your shoes. The intent is not to be distracted by anything or anyone else right now. If you're here today and you would like to accept Christ, I invite you to pray in your mind as I pray out loud. Jesus, I believe that you came and died for me and that you rose again. I don't understand it all, but I'm choosing to place my weight, my belief in you. Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin today. Those things that I've said and done wrong that separate me from you, I ask you to forgive me, Jesus. And with your help, I want to be obedient to you, Jesus, for the rest of my life. Would you come into my life and and lead me? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me now. Friend, if you're here today and you've been walking with the Lord, I encourage you right now just to talk right to the Lord. Don't just listen to me. You just talk right to the Lord and you tell Him who He is to you today. Jesus, I thank You that You are the way, the truth, and the life. And today I'm choosing to focus in, Jesus, that You are my door. Lord, collectively for my brothers and sisters, I I lift up our praise and adoration to You, Jesus. In You there is freedom. Because of who you are. Jesus, in you, there is security because of who you are. Jesus, in you, there is fulfillment in life. Lord, I ask that you will help us keep that picture of you, the shepherd, laying down in front of that opening of that fold with your very life on the line, protecting us, freeing us, fulfilling us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are in our life. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Church, would you stand with me before we take off today? If you're here today and you prayed that prayer of accepting Christ, I would love it if you would come and talk with my wife, Carrie, and I. We would just love to partner with you. We want to celebrate with you. In fact, Romans 10, 9 tells us that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Not like if or sometimes or on the, the third Sunday of the month. No, no, no. Every time you are saved. And Scripture tells us that all of heaven is exploding in celebration. And we just would love to celebrate with you. We don't want to embarrass you. We just want to celebrate with you. So if that's you, would you come and talk with us today? And we want to partner with you so you don't feel alone in this journey. But the scores of you here today who were just talking to Jesus, thanking him for what he's done in the past, as you go today... I challenge you, don't let this be the end of kind of a good thought. Let it be the beginning of an adventure with Jesus. That stone gate there in Gardner, outside of Yellowstone. You can just kind of camp out there all the time and miss everything, all the good stuff. Plow through. Come to Jesus, your door, your entrance, your gate. Get into the overflow today of what Jesus is doing. You will love it. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a blessed day.